and hello <laughs> and welcome to it's a scary life first episode of 2022 ooh, ooh. yeah <laughs> uh, i am your host melody and this is my always wonderful co-host alan hello hello world how are you today oh. that sounds good yeah sounds great yeah excellent <laughs> excellent so we are back with a new episode today. I'm very excited. I've been told I'm going to like this one. I've been told that we've got a lady who's going to do some crimes. Yes. Yeah. We love to see it. <laughs> lady crimes. Lady crimes. We love it. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited to watch uh, the new Lady Western on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I keep meaning to watch it. Lady Western. Yeah. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Once I'm in the mood for, like, not cute and familiar, it'll probably be, like, the middle of a day. Not a... Not like a beginning end. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So let's let's get chugging. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what do we got? So let's start today off by thanking you all, our listeners. Thank you so much. For giving us a listen. We love you. Yeah. It's really, really awesome knowing there are people out there listening and hopefully enjoying our content. Uh, we're heading into this year excited to tell you stories about true crime, history, or other things that make weak people uncomfortable and make me feel intrigued. Just literally anything that creeps out most people and that Melody thinks is cool. Yeah. 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 I have a uh, myriad of interests. So Yes, dear. Well, and just uh, thank you for joining us on this journey. We hope you enjoy our content this year. Yeah. I'm excited to make it. <laughs> By make it, I mean show up at Melody's place and uh, eat her food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for today, my sweet Ellen, yes, I am bringing us through the tormented childhood oh. of a woman who grew up to be a violent and angry person who, to no one's surprise, led her boyfriend to a gruesome end. Oh, gross. All right. Who we got? So, to the Southern Hemisphere in Aberdeen, New South Wales, Australia, we venture for our story with truly no happy breaks for anyone involved. Oh, no. Um, And resulted in Australia's first conviction of a woman for life without parole. (gasps) That's exciting. I mean, I thought a lot of women got to Australia because they got life without parole. At a first, lot of white yeah, ladies. But like once Australia was like an actually established. Ah, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. All right, that's fair. <laughs> Not just a place where British people were like, we don't like you anymore, we're sending you away. So down into the life of Catherine Mary Knight and the horrific murder of John Price. Ooh. So Catherine Mary Knight's life of scandal had begun with her family history. Her mother, Barbara Rohan, was originally from Aberdeen but was forced to move to Mori, about 375 kilometers, or roughly 233 miles northwest, when it came out that she was having an affair with Ken Knight, a co-worker of her husband's. Oh. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, What year are we in? This would be in uh, the 50s. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, uh, Her husband is named Jack Rowan, whom which she had four sons with. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Oof. So both families were prominent in the highly conservative town, and the scandal ripped through their reputations. Oh, no. Hence, moving for a little bit. Yeah, that, that would that'd be good. 
Um, so Jack took the two oldest boys and the two younger were sent to live with their aunt in Sydney. And so due to those societal standards of the 1950s, Barbara was now beholden to Ken Knight and began living as his wife. Oof. What a joy the 1950s sounds like Oof. to be a conservative woman at the time. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't think being a liberal woman was any more fun. Uh, probably not, yeah. Because you had to deal with all the conservatives. <laughs> I mean, really, what a time to be alive. Great clothes, real fun, horrific societal values. Yeah. Just horrific. Truly terrifying. Mm-hmm. So the family had eventually moved back to Aberdeen once the heat of the scandal had died down. Catherine Knight was born into in Tenterfield, New South Wales, on October 24th, 1955, the younger of two of twins. Mm. Yeah. So when Jack Rowan died in 1959, she gained two older brothers to be raised alongside. Catherine was raised to be a proud but safe Aboriginal, as her mother would boast that her grandmother had been an Aboriginal who married an Irishman and lived in the Maury area. All right. She liked to think of her family as Aboriginal, but of course, as it was the 1950s, Ah. uh, it had to be kept a family secret. And this caused a lot of tension for the children, thinking that they could be harmed in some way. Yeah, okay, she's justified in everything that she does. Um, I've decided. Is she? Um, I'm I'm worried that you said it like that. You're (laughs) pretty on board with me uh, declaring that I like a person. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back. But like right now, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Childhood of terror at like exposing her true self. Yeah, we're gonna go with it for now. Okay. Um, Tentatively. So growing up, Catherine had become close to two people: her twin sister and her uncle Oscar Knight. And this is likely because another source of tension in her home. Ken Knight was a violent and intimidating alcoholic who abused the family on a daily basis. God damn it. He would hit Barbara as a way to control her and the children. He would also regularly rape Barbara when he got angry with her wherever they were in the house at that moment up to 10 times a day. Oh, dear God. Catherine, later in her life, stated that up to age 11... Several male members of the family sexually abused her, though not her father. Which if it's she's her older brothers to do anything she wants. <laughs> is she okay? Yes. We're gonna she doesn't grow up to be um to be great. I'm just saying Please. that at this point, if she murdered every single person who hurt her, true, true. That's valid. At valid. age eleven. If she just started killing people, I would have been like, yes, yes, little girl. Yeah. That is, yeah, <laughs> that is the appropriate Understandable. Level. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, you can feel very powerless in a situation like that. And I think that giving small children knives and letting them just like murder their abusers is totally safe and healthy <laughs> and backed up by the entire psych- psychiatric community, right? Obviously. obviously mm, yeah. It's not. I no. promise it's not. Don't get any ideas, my dear listeners. No, they were, you know, want the child out of the situation and put through, you know. Well, yeah, therapy. that too. But then you're like, but then you're like, you want part of your therapy to be murder for health reasons. For health reasons. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it would give them a good sense of closure. 
you know, you make sure the kid's not in danger while they're, you know, committing a heinous and violent act. And then, I mean, you know. I think you're overvaluing the uh, catharsis of murder. I think when you don't have the whole social worker and psychiatrist and you don't have anywhere to turn, yes, murder is the thing. I can see that justified with a child. Yeah. But, like, if if they're getting the help already... Right, but I but I you, think you that don't get but it's a, it's a holistic approach, Melody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, she sounds pretty justified in everything that she would do, poor kid, up to this point. Yes. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so um, have fun convincing me not to like her. If she murdered a person at this point in her life, yes, I would fully support her. She is um, Catherine something. So as a young girl, Catherine was known for being a sweet girl who could fly into a murderous rage at a moment's notice. Yeah, fair enough. So just the tiniest upset, and she is, like, wailing around. It is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the time that she was attending Muswell Brook High School, I can't say that word, um, she was known for being a loner who who would use her size to intimidate smaller children by her classmates. Okay. She even assaulted a boy with a weapon and had once been injured by a teacher who was found to actually be acting in self-defense. Okay, so, okay, you shouldn't attack small children, even if you are yourself a child. Yes. Unless they're trying to murder you. (laughs) Um, Okay, okay. But, you know, she's not getting proper care for the trauma that she's gone through. So it's, it's, it's... not good, but it's understandable. She's still at an age where she's like, that can still change. This is still. Oh, yeah. Like, she hasn't had can still time or down. resource to process any of her, like, traumas. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, but unfortunately, it's still an era where processing your trauma is seen as. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's what, the 60s at this point? Yeah, yeah. that's going to go over well. That and, you know. It's also generally going to be seen as, oh, you're just blaming your parents for everything. Um, <sighs> mm, yeah. Love that. Yeah. So fun. Like mm-mm. putting a name on why something happens or why you have a behavior is not blaming. It's just acknowledging so you can change it. Right. Like, come on. <laughs> All right. So um, what do your girl do next? But funnily enough, Catherine was also known as a model student in classes and would earn awards for her good behavior in the classroom. All right. Bizarre, bizarre flip with her. That's fair. Yeah. And I think as she was still young, that flip was something she was still capable of doing. And that as she got older and of course more isolated because she's unpleasant to be around. So people don't hang out with her. Right. Um, It becomes harder and harder to control that. Yeah. It's it's more on the angry side. Oh, bless. Yeah. No, but okay. <laughs> I, you have yet to tell me about seriously heinous crimes. At this Correct. point, she has bullied some young children, which I, as someone who works with young children, do not condone. But it's not the worst thing. She still has capability of growth. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Benefit of the doubt for the next 10 minutes. So Catherine had left school at 15 and became a cutter in a clothing factory. Uh, for clarification, Australians do finish essentially their high school equivalent at 16. So mm-hmm. she just finished a little early. And she had worked at the job at the clothing factory until she got what she called her dream job, cutting up offal at the abattoir. 
Okay. I mean, someone's uh, got to do it. Yeah, and Ophel, for those who don't know, uh, like I did not know before this, oh, no. is refuse and waste and sometimes decomposing flesh from the slaughtered animals in the slaughterhouse because an abattoir is a slaughterhouse. Yeah. Fancy word, slaughterhouse. Yeah. I mean, you need to get stuff into into manageable pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. It's not fully automated at this point. So I don't know if it still is. I don't think it is. No. Yeah. The meatpacking industry is a... Mm. In any case, moving yeah. on. And as Aberdeen is basically just an industrialized... It's a factory town in this mm-hmm. era. It has, a, you know, the clothing factory, a few others. There's textile one, whatever. And then there's also, you know, famous for the abattoir. <laughs> yeah, got to keep people fed. Unfortunately, yeah. It's, it's the gross part. And I find it disturbing that she called this her dream job. Because, you know, it's... we don't know how much it paid. <laughs> we... Oh, no, she thoroughly enjoyed the job, like cutting up the bits and the smell of it and the, the, the job. Okay. She, she loved the taking apart of animals. Um, At least she found a way to do it that was not harmful and that was productive. I mean, true. It's, listen, it's not... I do think it encourages a very dark side inside of her. Yeah, probably. But, you know, it, it, it's good to find work that you love. Um, yeah, okay, okay. I can see this is going to a really yeah. disturbing place. So she had done her job with such enthusiasm. Oh, no. <laughs> she was quickly promoted to boning the department. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then given her own set of butcher knives as a gift. Okay. I mean, that's great. I, I do. I do like a good knife. She was so proud of her job and her knives that Catherine would hang her knives over her bed every day when she got home from work. Aww. So they, quote, would always be handy if she needed them. You know, as a young woman living alone in a big city. <laughs> rural town. Have you been to a rural town lately? There, uh, I mean, I would not move to a rural town and not have, like, that's a six-shooter and a shotgun. Yeah, and you need something for, like, deer hunting season or something. Like something a little bit nicer than a shotgun. Yeah, I mean, a decent hunting rifle. Yeah. If you really want to go hunting, I would rather put out a snare and catch a rabbit. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there are easier ways to get a rabbit. You can <laughs> buy yeah, Correct. but if you're doing the whole we're hunting for it thing, that's well, yeah. the satisfaction of hunting. You do it yourself. That's fair. I don't really, I, I feel like because I'm a meat eater, like some, I'm someone who eats meat, that I have a moral duty to like go through that process at least once in my life, but nice. I'm definitely not like looking forward to it. Nice. I just like when other people supply me with venison <laughs> and rabbit, it's nice. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Knives over the bed. Great, great, great. Love yeah. to see it. Worried, but love to see it. Yeah. So Catherine, as an adult, was sex repulsed and hated men due right. to, you know, the childhood sexual abuse and frequently seeing her mother hit and raped. You know, yeah, that would do pretty it. obvious. Yeah. Um, but still had the, you know, normal human desire to have a mate. And of course, you know, this type of trauma doesn't turn you ace. Nope. It just kind of makes you more scared. Mm-hmm. So she began dating David Stanford Kellett after she met him at work in 1973. 
Mm-hmm. David was known for being a bit of a drunk. Oh, dear. And Catherine completely dominated him. I mean, she does have a favorite set of knives. She has a favorite set of knives. She's already been known for being a bully and someone who uses intimidation. Yeah. Oh, this poor guy. Yeah, he's he's not going to have a fun time. Oh, no. So if he were about to be in a brawl, she was known to step out in front of him and throw fists. She... I mean, in another situation, Melody, that'd be real sweet. It's true. That'd be real endearing. Oh, yeah. That's like a, a proper Texan woman, you know? Hell but... yeah. But Australia. <laughs> but us, yeah. Or There's Australia some similarities yeah, there are... from what I can tell. <laughs> there, Listen, when there is a lot of open area and cattle and not a lot of other people and, you know. And shit can kill you. And shit can kill you. Like, there's just a lot of shit that can kill you. Yeah. Except in Australia, it's the animals and the bugs and spiders and everything else. And in Texas, it was, you know, the, the guns. Right, rightfully belonged there in the first place. Um, oh, I mean. At first, at least. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, as far as I understand, now the aboriginal peoples did not just lay the hell down. No, they did not. There's a reason the Alamo was something they remember, because it was a fucking massacre. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was talking about in Australia. Oh, as well. Yeah, that's true. There was definitely, it was and continues to be a lot of fucking resistance. Truly. And I'm very happy about it. Hell yeah. Um, I will say, in favor of the Museum of Science and Industry weird-ass Holidays of the World oh, no. <laughs> exhibit, where the trees were... They definitely didn't just look like trees that would be in people's homes. There is a bald eagle... And two American flags. At the you top say of the that American like I don't flag. know people who would do that. And then like all fifty states with like wood ornaments going down it. There were the Britain one had like a teapot and cups of tea. I we do have a teapot and teacup ornament at my house. No, but this was a literal teapot and like it was taped <laughs> to be to stay together. As was the teacup. I love this. Um, the Australia one, though, someone did sneak on the Aboriginal flag. Hell yeah! And put it over the Australian flag a couple places, and I was oh, like, yeah! that's good. Nice. That's good. Yeah, every time it's, like, allegedly Australia Day, I love watching, like, Indigenous people being like, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Let's talk about <coughs> this. Yeah. But... Uh, Catherine was actually known around Aberdeen for offering armed combat to anyone who upset her, which fun. Oh, God. She's a fun lady, ain't she? She's just very Texan. I know she's Australian, but this yeah. is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I can definitely see certain Texans I know if they were about like 20 percent less stable. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. No, we mm-hmm. went to college with a Texan who, like, off her meds, I think, yes, she would absolutely be stabbing people and, like, no, fully unstable. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness we live in an era with good medications. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to segue. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so after some force from Catherine... The two got married in 1974. Oh, no. So before the wedding, Barbara, Catherine's mother, gave David a foreboding warning about her daughter. Oh, no. She told him, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think 
of playing up on her, she'll fucking kill you. Which you must imagine she was a little proud of her daughter, though. Probably. Like, because she wasn't the type of woman to stand up for herself in decades, through decades of abuse, which I'm sure brings tons of guilt for her. So the fact that her daughter would just stab a guy. That's got to feel good. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, but also kudos to her for like looking the guy in the face and being like, you sure, bud? You sure about this, bud? You real sure? She'll, She'll kill you. She will. She'll kill your ass. I mean, there's also kind of that, like, the horror of being an abuse survivor and realizing that one of your children has turned into an abuser. That is true. It's complex. People are complex. Yeah. Uh, um, so on the wedding night, David woke up to Catherine trying to strangle him. Her reasoning was that she was upset that he had gone to sleep after having sex only three times. Sir... I, you know, I take my hat off to you. Yeah. After this, he stayed with her, leading a couple years of living under Catherine's obsessive and controlling thumb. Oh, dear. So at one point, a pregnant Catherine burned all of his clothing and then hit him over the head with a frying pan. Oh, God. All because he'd come home late after his team made it to the finals in the darts competition. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, no, I'm not on her side anymore. Oh, God, I take everything back. He's terrible. Oh, God. This poor man. Yeah. So after the birth of Melissa Ann Kellett in 1976, David left Catherine for another woman and moved to Queensland. Is is he okay, Melody? Is he Okay. (sighs) The next day, Catherine had been seen walking down the street with the baby in a pram, walking very erratically. Oh, dear. She was admitted to a hospital where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and then spent several weeks recovering. This supposed recovery was probably only the result of her environment because once she was released, oh no, Catherine had put two-month-old Melissa on uh, train tracks <gasps> before a train was due. Oh, God. Stolen axe. Melody. And then walked into town where she threatened to kill several people. Melody, was the baby okay? Baby Melissa had been found a few minutes before the train came. (sighs) Okay. And Catherine was taken back to the hospital, though apparently recovered and able to sign herself out the very next day. Oh, God. Melody, I I really need you to tell me that the baby makes it through this. The baby makes it through this. She is an adult. She's still alive. Oh, cool. I I hope you're doing all right, ma'am. I hope you've gotten the therapy that you needed. Yeah, your mother was a lot. I'm so sorry. Glad you made it out, ma'am. A few days later, however, Catherine attacked a woman with a knife and demanded her that she drive her to Queensland. My God. The woman escaped when Catherine demanded that they stop at a certain service station. Catherine had taken a little boy hostage <gasps> and was threatening him with her knife by the time police had arrived. What the fuck? The police managed to disarm her with brooms. Which I want to see that video footage. I couldn't, I tried and I couldn't find it. And I want to see it. That's very cool. And also why we need body cams to be on at all times. This was also the pre-body cams. Yeah. I, I fully understand <laughs> that and acknowledge <laughs> that, but also imagine. I just, oh, I want to watch that. Um, I was hoping there might be some CCTV, but no, it's, it's, it's too far early. Um, so, Catherine, and Catherine was taken to a psychiatric hospital. Okay. Yay. That's fair. 
here, Catherine had told the nurses that she wanted to kill the mechanic at the service station because okay. they had fixed David's car, which allowed him to leave her. So this bitch is petty. Uh, I mean, uh, mm, hmm. I hate her. Ah, okay. That's a lot. And she I, also told them she would then go to Queensland to kill her husband and his mother. Okay, so I appreciate her attention to detail. However, that being said, the fuck? Yeah, she's she's a lot. Yeah, a oh lot man. Of, a lot going on. I would say I hope she gets the help she needs at the psychiatric institution, but I have a terrible feeling. Yeah. Mm, the fact that we're talking about her now. So when news had hit David about Catherine and what she intended to do... He had left his girlfriend and moved back to Aberdeen with his mother to take care of Catherine. Huh. It is the opposite response I thought a person would have, but... Oh, by take care of her, you mean, like, actually care for her? Oh, care for her, yes. Oh, buddy, no. Oh, no, I know it's hard to leave in these situations. I... Oh, Oh, no. this is still the same. Oh. Um, So, upon her release on August 9th, 1976... Into the care of David and her mother-in-law, they all moved to Woodridge, which is a suburb outside Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Catherine soon got a job at a meatworks nearby in Ipswich, back to doing what she loved, dismembering animals. Well, that's, you know what? Someone's got to do it. It might as well be someone who enjoys their work. Yeah, it just, it's terrible it's... that she, it's because she's a terrible person. No, yeah, it. it absolutely is um, concerning. So on March 6, 1980, Catherine gave birth to her second child with David, Natasha Marie Kellett. Melody, does this baby survive? All the children survive. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Okay. In 1984, Knight was done with Kellett and moved into her parents' home back in Aberdeen, taking the girls with her. She soon returned to work at the abattoir doing her dirty work, which, yeah. Okay, I mean, you know, it's it's a thing. It's good to have an outlet. I just wish that she was also getting some ongoing therapy as well. Or, but I know it was the eighties, and that might not have been seventies, and it might not have been great. Also, the there's there's so many social things about it. You know, just the stubbornness about even going Mm -hmm. was probably something she would have held on to. Oh yeah, need help. Right. So Catherine moved to nearby Musselbrook. And continued to work until a work injury put her in an, uh, put her on an early disability pension. Catherine, after this, was given housing commission house in Aberdeen. It's nice to have a social net that functions sometimes. Yeah, it really is. Really is. Imagine, Melody. <laughs> yeah. Just given a basic home, you and your kids can live there, and it's fine. Um, Anyways... In 1986, Catherine met a minor named David Saunders, and the two began dating. A few months into the relationship, he moved in with Catherine. Oh, sir. And her daughters. Sir. But had held onto his apartment in nearby Scone. That's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. Because Catherine would become jealous about what he was doing. So when she was, uh, she would get jealous about what he was doing when she wasn't around and throw him out quite frequently. Okay. Less terrifying than I thought it was going to be, but okay. Good. Okay. So, 
He would then move back into his apartment in Scones until Catherine would come back and beg for him to return. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. So in May 1987, Catherine had slit the throat of a dingo pup in front of David to make a point about what would happen to him if he had ever had an affair and then knocked him out with a frying pan. What the She really likes that move. I mean, here's the thing. It is a sturdy, blunt force object, and it's multi-purpose. It's just... You know, you can fry your eggs, just bash someone's head in, and then, you know, like... Fry an egg. Right. Make a crepe. Yeah. Goddamn. You want to make sure that you're, you know, treating it properly afterwards, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) We've got to season it. You know, you got to do the thing with the oil. Oh, goodness. It's important to take care of your frying, about of, of taking care of cast iron, Melody. Okay. Uh, so in June 1988, David and Catherine welcomed Sarah Saunders into the world. Oh, okay. She has so many children. Oh, okay. Uh, which prompted David to put a deposit on a house. Catherine had paid off the house in 1989 when her workers' comp settlement had come in. Catherine decorated the house with to her specific tastes and filled the walls with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. Not a single space, including of the ceilings of the home, were left uncovered. This is not a great environment to be raising children in it, because it feels a little unsafe. You've got a lot of sharp objects. You've got rust. I mean, I really hope. Were tetanus boosters a thing at this time? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. I had a tetanus shot in the 1970s. Okay, I really hope those kids had their tetanus shots. Uh, yeah. So David finally reached his breaking point with Catherine when she hit him in the face with an iron <gasps> and then oh, stabbed God. him in the stomach with scissors. She's terrible. My God. The father of your children, madam. Right? Ugh. I mean, you shouldn't do that to anyone who is not a direct threat. That being said, what like, the fuck? She's choosing people she can easily dominate, too. These aren't men that, like, are going to hurt her. I'm just glad at this point that she hasn't had a son. Yeah. Because I would be real... I mean, I'm concerned about the safety of her girls. Um, and all the stuff that they probably went through. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks, Val. Yeah probably have to process there is a point in my research where it mentioned like the reason i know she's like sex repulsed and generally hates men but keeps having relationships is because her she would frequently tell her daughters like details about her sex life and oh, like no when she was and wasn't satisfied and how men were terrible oh god no yeah too much it's called emotional incest oh um, yeah it is So he had tried to return home after the incident of being hit in the face with an iron, being stabbed in the stomach with scissors, but found that his clothes were cut up and just finally hit that last little breaking point. That's fair. David um, went into hiding, and Catherine spent several months trying to find him to no avail. Oh, good. Good. I'm I'm glad he had the sense to just go to ground. Yeah. yeah. He later did try to come back to be a part of his daughter's life, but Catherine had already told police that she had been afraid of him, and he had an apprehended violence order against him, which is a specific type of restraining order. Mm-hmm. In 1990, Catherine had become pregnant once again. Oh, God. 
by a former co-worker from the abattoir, John Chillingworth, and gave birth to the following year to Eric Chillingworth. Oh, gosh. She stayed with John for about three years, but maintained an affair with a name with a man by the name of John Price through the last year of their relationship. Oh, dear. Catherine left John Chillingworth for John Price. John Pricey Price was generally known was a generally known as a good man with a high paying and he had a high paying job at the mines. Oh gosh, she she gets him before the black lung, doesn't she? She does. Oh no. She had three uh he had three children from a previous marriage that had ended in nineteen eighty eight, two mm-hmm. of whom lived with him. Okay. And Melody, I'm going to need to reconfirm that all the children make it out of this at yes. least physically okay. Yes. Love this. Okay. All right, let's let's talk about Pricey. So John was aware of Catherine's violent reputation, but was charmed by her anyway. Sir. Yeah. Sir. And was won over when his kids liked her. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Mm. So he asked Catherine to move in with him. And at first, aside from a few violent arguments, uh, according to John, life was a bunch of roses. Wait, did he survive this? No. Okay, I was about to say, how the fuck do we know? It's somewhere in writing to family oh, okay. somewhere. Um, okay. In 1998, Catherine was trying to pressure John to marry her. And he was refusing to give her into her demands, which... Good on you, John. You tried. Yeah. Um, but in retaliation, Catherine filmed items around the house that were taken from John's work and gave the videotape to his boss. <sighs> Despite the items being expired medical kits that were going into the garbage when he took them, John was fired. Yep, sounds like. Yep. Yep. Corporate bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Catherine had returned to her own home, and the news of what she had done spread through town. After a few months later, John rekindled his relationship with Catherine. Sir, oh no. With the stipulation that she would not move in with him this time around. Which, good luck. Yeah. John and Catherine would constantly fight, as Catherine always needed something to fight against. Mm -hmm. And the relationship had gotten so poor that most of John's friends stopped hanging around him until he left her. Oh, my God. In February of 2000, one of these fights had led Catherine to stabbing him in the (gasps) chest. Dear God. He banned her from his home after this fight. Good. On February 29th. Oh, no. John went to the magistrate to get a restraining order against oh, Catherine okay. for him and his children. Good. Okay, good. That same afternoon, John told his co-workers that if he didn't come into work the next day, that it was because Catherine had killed him. His co-workers urged him not to go home, but mm-hmm. John expressed worry for his children and said he had to go. Bring some friends with you, babe. Right? Like, get, like, get a, see if, like, some police will come with you. Exactly. Wait. When John arrived home, Catherine was not there, but he had found that she sent the kids to sleep over at a friend's house. While she was there, she had videotaped herself talking to the children, making comments that have since been interpreted as a will of sorts. John spent his evening at a neighbor's house, returning home to sleep at 11 p.m. Don't do that, bro. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Catherine returned to John's home in the middle of the night yep. while he was asleep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Frying pan? No. Oh, no. She okay. spent some time watching TV and then took a shower. Catherine woke John up and the two had sex. God damn and he it. Went back to sleep. God damn it. Not sure. sure why you did that, John. Not sure. Uh, it's very hard to leave abusive relationships. I know. It's just, I... It's Like, really I can see hard. the rationalization, but I'm just like, oh, God. I... Listen, 2020 hindsight, right? Maybe he... I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I can see him maybe thinking, oh, I'll just kind of, like, be gentle with her now, and in the morning I can cl- clear this up or something. You know, like... Right. Also, he is terrified that she's going to murder him. So, yeah. so he's like, going to do stuff to appease her. That's fair. Which, like, those explanations make sense. It's just like, oh, my God, why? Why did you go back to your own house, bro? Why did you sleep there? Oh, John. Oh, buddy. So around 6 a.m., mm-hmm. John's neighbor had become concerned because his car hadn't left. And John's car was typically gone for him to go to work by now. Mm-hmm. A couple hours later, a co-worker had stopped by, being sent by their boss, and tried to see if they could get a hold of him. They weren't successful and called the police to do a wellness check. When the police got into the home, they became witnesses to a crime scene that deeply disturbed them. Oh, God. Here it goes. After breaking down the back door, police found Catherine comatose from taking a lot of pills. There was blood all over the house. Oh, God. Blood evidence had showed that Catherine began stabbing John with a butcher's knife while she Ugh. while he slept, and he woke up and put up a bit of a fight. Oh, God. He attempted to escape Catherine as she chased him through the house. John tried to make it out of the front door, but was thwarted and ended up back inside the hallway, where he finally bled out. Dear God. The autopsy revealed that John was stabbed 37 times in the front and back of his body during the struggle with many of the abdominal wounds affecting vital organs. Later, Catherine went to town to take a thousand dollars out of John's bank account before she went back to John's home. When she came back to John's dead body, she skinned him. What? Hung the skin in the lounge. Oh, like he's a pig. Uh, it makes sense. It's that she disturbing. would. Oh, it's it's a high. I'm, I'm just. Hated. I'm really disturbed, Melody. I can hear it in your voice. But uh, I oh God. She then decapitated John and cut his head and other various body gross. parts. Gross. Oh my God. This is like the thing we were watching at the, the place. Oh, that's so what? gross. Oh, right. What is, why? Yeah. Oh, we were watching a thing about some guy who like boiled <laughs> his mom's head. Yeah. Oh. So Catherine then served up two plates of John's body with baked potato. No. Pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes <gasps> beside each plate, each having the, each of them having the name of Price's children on them. <gasps> Oh, that's so fucked up. We don't do cannibalism unless it's a survival situation. That is some yeah. fucking Titus Andronicus bullshit. It really is. Oh. Also, I just don't like zucchinis or squash. So. <laughs> also that. 
Um, but there was a third plate of food found in the backyard. Police speculate Catherine had attempted to eat a plate of the meal she had prepared for John's children, but couldn't bring herself to actually finish. Wimp. Fucking wimp. You expect other people to do cannibalism, you gotta do it. Exactly. Listen, if you're like, oh no, oh, maybe I can't. Like, why do you think someone else fucking, I know that she's not expecting them to eat him. Like, I get that, but like, what the fuck? I know she just murdered and skinned and boiled a man. <laughs> but, like, come on. That's wimpy. Follow through. Yeah. Ugh. You don't get to win town now. You just Exactly. Him. Okay. Okay. What, God, what else did they find? I'm, oh, God. So, John's head was found in a pot with vegetables, still mm. warm as a stew. Mmm. At some point in the night, Catherine had arranged John's body with his left arm draped over an empty 1.5 liter soft drink bottle, and his legs were crossed in what was seen as an act of defilement in court. Gross. Yeah. She she posed him. Gross. Posing the body is always very weird. I, uh, I mean, listen, it's... Uh. Also found at the crime scene was a photo of John with a handwritten note on top. From Catherine. Oh God! What did it say? Bloodstained and covered with bits of John's flesh, the note he left read, "She or she left read, time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You two Beck for Ross for little John. Now play with little John's dick, John Price." Accusations made in Catherine's note were found to hold no ground. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, she's just the worst. Yeah, yeah. Catherine claimed she did not remember the crime as her defense. She originally offered to plead guilty to manslaughter, but was denied by the court. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. There's a lot that happened. Like, that's a long... Mm-hmm. Even if you blacked out, that's a lot of shit to black out for. God, yes. You shouldn't be cooking if you blacked out. Shouldn't be skinning people or murdering <laughs> gods. Ugh. So Catherine Knight was arraigned on the charge of murdering John Price on Good. February second, two thousand and one. So an arraignment hearing is your original charges hearing. So it's where they tell you what your charges are, okay. and you can plead guilty or, or not, not guilty. guilty. Okay, that tracks. So yeah, she pled not guilty. And her sure. trial commenced on October 15th, 2001, after some delays in her court date. At the beginning of proceedings, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the 60 prospective jurors a chance to volunteer to leave due to the extreme and graphic nature of the evidence that was going to be presented. Five took the opportunity to excuse themselves before proceedings took place that That's brought together fair. the final jury. Oh, God. I mean, that is doing your civic goddamn duty. Right? Oh, God. After court was dismissed, Catherine's attorneys met with the judge when he assured, and they assured him he would, ugh, okay, and they assured him that they would get Catherine to change her plea. How'd that go? So by morning, her attorneys had convinced Catherine to plead guilty, which she did in court, and the jury was dismissed. Good. I'm glad they didn't have to go through all that. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been so much. Um, so Justice O'Keefe adjourned the trial 
and ordered Catherine to have a psychiatric assessment to assure whether or not she was fit to give a guilty plea, especially because her legal team was relying on defense based on amnesia and dissociation. Mm-hmm. The psychiatrist who examined Catherine found her to be sane and culpable for her actions. Cool. Catherine has never given a reason behind her guilty plea and has always avoided taking responsibility for her actions. Mm -hmm. During the sentencing hearing, when Dr. Timothy Lyons took the stand and went through the details of the skidding and decapitation, Catherine became hysterical and had to be sedated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I... I'm trying to figure out what she was trying to pull there. Or if she was just pissed off at hearing her own actions being said in front of her. It could be that. It could be like that thing where, like, you try and make a bigger deal about something and then you get off later. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if you look, like, if she's so distressed hearing about it, how could she possibly have done it? Exactly. Um, So, on November 8th, 2001, Justice O'Keefe made a point about the brutality of the crime and Catherine's seeming to lack remorse for her actions would only should only render a severe penalty. Mm -hmm. Justice O'Keefe sentenced Catherine to life in prison without parole. Good. And ordered her papers to be marked never to be released. Good. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I do think that prison should in a lot of cases be you know, penetration should be rehabilitative. Yeah. Is that a word? Yes, rehabilitative. That's so cool. However, Catherine there is one of those people who you want them rare behind bars. cases, yeah. You, you, you just want them behind bars. I don't think, I think she has hit a point in her life where she is not going to change. And I think that there, that there comes a point where you really need to do the math. Like, if we let her out, how many other people is she going to, you know, hurt? Exactly. And that's, and I think that that's the most important math. Yeah. She is an example of why, you know, we do need to have a lock them up and throw away the key philosophy for some people. She's one of but them. She, I, <laughs> but with that, she still deserves to be treated like a human being. Oh, absolutely. There's very Just, humane ways of doing this. Essentially, yeah. it can be like a college dorm. Uh, I mean, I trust her in a college dorm there's too many pointy things <laughs> i don't want this woman around pencils melody um, i i would worry about her with a spoon i i don't know uh oh you never know uh, um so in june 2006 Catherine had tried to appeal her sentence stating that life without parole was too severe a sentence for the murder of john price or she stabbed him 37 times. For skinning him? Yeah, the first few blows being in his sleep. For I mean, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna murder someone, you do want to get him in a in any case. For boiling his head, madam. Skinning him, decapitating him. Trying to feed his remains to his children. Exactly. Like some sort of Shakespearean fucking villain from one of his like murder plays. I oh (laughs) It's kind of a murder play. I mean, Titus Andronicus is literally a murder play. That's it is. Entire point. It's a good. But... It's a good time. I've actually never seen it. I would be interested in doing it's, so. I've seen some different renditions of it. But like, like only Oof. if I was allowed to sit in the splash zone. Nice. It's fun. Nice. It's fun because it's fake blood. Um, I just go in a poncho and be fine. Yeah. Uh, no, they should give you special T-shirts and hats. 
Nice. So then you could like have commemorative in any case. So Justices Peter McClellan, Michael Adams, and Megan Latham dismissed the appeal. Good. In the New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeal in Good September for you. 2006. That's nice. So it, huh. it was naturally denied, and Justice McClellan commented that this was an appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society. And now Kaffir Knight sits in an Australian prison where she will stay until the day she dies. That's okay. And that, my lovely Ellen, is the story of Kaffir Knight from tragic childhood to garbage fire shitbag. My God, that was a lot. She's the worst. She's She's so bad. I hate her. Oh, God. There's just, there were so, there were a lot of points early on where I was like, you know, if we weren't doing this on a true crime podcast, like this lady could turn it around, get herself some help. Exactly. You know, and it just, you know. There's always those turning points where you're like, ah, shit. You don't, oh God. Like she wasn't even trying to dispose of evidence. No, no, that's the thing. Like I understand intellectually trying like like taking people apart to like destroy evidence but this was just for fun yeah this was shits and giggles it was for the joy of it to try and feed him to his children oh oh there's something so much grosser about that than like say sweeney todd you know yeah like that's kind of impersonal that's like is it really good anyways we're not going to start singing on time for you, listeners. Uh, for that, you need Again. to go support us on Patreon. Um, <laughs> and maybe we'll do a thing where we sing something someday. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not making any promises. Honestly, yeah, if you guys actually want us to do it, we do both love Sondheim and did graduate from theater school. Yes. So Definitely met in a theater musical, musical theater program. So. Uh, in a singing class. True. Yeah. Yeah. That was a hell. Uh, what a teacher. Oh, God's bless. She, you know, she she really was something. Yeah. And probably continues to be something. She should have stopped teaching in the 1990s. Uh, I wonder how good her teaching was then. Uh, no, it was probably exactly the same. She's one that, of those, she's, yeah, maybe, she maybe hasn't changed her ways in I just hope she was getting good health insurance from that gig. Listen, there's very little nice I can say about her. So I'm saying something generally. Yeah, I always got good marks and juries for dressing well. That's it. (laughs) Good on you. Thanks. Thanks. I freaked out the year that she was in my that she was in my jury room. I was like, I've got to dress well for her. Any case, if you like hearing us rant about things, oh yeah, yeah, if you like uh, hearing us, keep tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You made it to the end. We sure did. Um. Oh god, <laughs> thank you for sticking with us through all this uh, boyfriend husband eating weirdness. Yeah, <sighs> fun times. <sighs> Survival situations only, or if it's like culturally relevant. Yeah, only times know. cannibalism is acceptable. Yeah, if you would like to keep up with the podcast, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at It's a Scary Life. We do have a Twitter. I'm not great at keeping up with Twitter. I 
the, the, the rage machine that Twitter is, is just so much worse than a lot of other social media. Yeah. So I just kind of avoid it. I had a Twitter at one point. It probably still exists. I didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was only on it for a little bit. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, oh, I found a little niche and then that niche died. That's fair. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to email us at... Oh. It's a scary life at gmail.com. I didn't see you were drinking water. Right <laughs> I was like, oh. opportunity. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can email us at it's a scary life at gmail.com. We would love to get any suggestions of what you guys want to hear. Yeah. Cases that are, especially any local cases you guys have. Absolutely. Weird shit you have that happened in your town. Because um, we know we know there's some stuff. Yeah, there's so many famous cases, but then there are some of those ones that you don't always hear about. But like when you get into the details, everything is like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And I guarantee y'all live in some of those towns. So yeah. let us know. Uh, we hope you keep listening. We hope that you go get therapy. And vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. If you've been fully vaccinated, go get boosted. Unless you've been boosted, just keep being safe, wearing your masks, doing... Fighting the good fight. Wear a mask. Don't frequently go out all the time. Don't be typhoid Mary. Yeah. Listen, we just, we all just need we to need not. typhoid Mary. Oh my God. She's when a I real tell person, you, when by I, way. When I tell you that I have actual, like, childhood trauma surrounding that. Okay. We can talk about it. <laughs> I saw a documentary at a very young age. Oh, yeah. PBS is fun. And PBS I actually really great. do fucking love PBS. It was great. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, we hope you have a lovely day. Go get therapy. Take care of yourself. Do some self-care. Do that self-care. Yeah. And uh, love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.